Caitlin Burgoyne once said, don't sell me a bed, sell me a good night's sleep so I can finally be that person that quits hitting snooze and can make that morning workout on time. That quote has stuck with me ever since and it's a driving force in how I create copy for websites, video ideas, podcasts, product copy, and more. Because understanding your customer at a deeper level is what drives the buying decisions of today and tomorrow. I got a chance to talk to Caitlin, owner of CustomerCamp.co, about how she gets to where her customers want to become in life by conducting customer-centric interviews. And she breaks down how you can do that in your own process for your own business. Using her insight, all of us can start to gain a little bit more clarity on what our customers truly want. Hope you guys enjoy. To you know, sort of the the research process and the, the the methods that we can take. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest, Caitlin. She is the CEO of Customer Camp and a lead trainer for Customer Camp, and she is just stellar at making sense of what your customers are doing and what you can the information that you can find out from your customers. And and Caitlin, uh, thank you for coming on the show today because it was really a light bulb moment for me back in December when I saw that you had launched your clarity call sheets. And it was this exact thing that I was struggling with at that very moment. And it was the I think it was one of the fastest purchases that I've ever made when it comes to sort of the, you know, finding out a problem, dealing with it, and then paying somebody to come up with the solution for me or to provide that guidance. And so that light bulb moment, especially in your call sheets, was the don't sell me a new bed, sell me a good night's sleep so I can finally be that person that quits hitting snooze and wakes up first thing in the morning to get that workout in. Now, you are obviously a big fan of making the customer the superhero but you got to know what makes them tick. I don't have to tell you that. You actually inspired me to learn more about that. And your tagline is whoever gets closer to the customer wins. Can you break down what that methodology means? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me and hi to everyone watching internet land. (laughs) Um, So that tagline is hard earned. Let's just say that (laughs) people who are probably watching, I've made some mistakes myself in the past, allowed assumptions to lead us into uncharted waters and had to deal with the consequences of those. And coming out of those experiences, you know, having run a marketing agency and then done a tech startup, the thing that I kept seeing consistently in my own business when we were doing our tech startup and then after the fact, when I was working with founders, was there was just this lack of awareness as to why the customer bought. You know, even if they had a lot of clarity on who the customer was, there was not enough visibility into what really makes the customer tick, click, and buy. And tons of data to support this across the marketing industry, across the, you know, the tech and high growth industry. But essentially, the more you understand your customer, the better you understand what's happening in the real world. Not that it's just stuff we can track online, but the real world um, as to what motivates them to consider and try and love new products, the better chances you have of succeeding. And we see this again and again. So that's where the tagline comes from. So when you were creating the these clarity call cheat sheets, what was that? Walk me through that moment that 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 was the light bulb moment for you that this is something that we're running into repeatedly. This is something that we probably need to create a resource behind. What was that light bulb moment like for you? 
Well, I think a lot of founders and marketers are told you need to understand the customer. And that blanket statement is true and also really frustrating because if you don't go into customer research or customer interviews, knowing what to ask, what you're listening for, how to kind of like gather the right insights from conversations, it really feels like aimless wandering and a waste of time. And so people kept being given this advice of, oh, you need to talk to customers, you need to talk to customers but not being told how to do it. And it was really frustrating. And I got that same advice, you know, when I was doing my own tech company, everyone says this to startup founders in particular, you need to do customer discovery, but they don't tell you how. And so seeing this over and over, experiencing it myself, and then discovering this better way, um, the better way being inspired by Jobs to be Done, which is an innovation framework, uh, it's becoming more popular now, but it was traditionally only applied to product design, not marketing. And it's so useful for marketing too, because when you really understand why customers hire your products, what it is they're trying to get done, what jobs they're trying to do, the context of their situation, it really helps you to market smarter. And mm -hmm. so that insight led to, okay, people don't know how to do this. And they don't know how, what questions to ask or how to have these conversations. So let's make a resource that makes that like super quick and easy. And you were also, you, you were training active, uh, you know, other companies, you had uh, training seminars, uh, other companies paid you to come in to do a lot of that training. And so is that sort of the, the process of, of, of how you discovered, I guess, sort of the common pit, pitfalls that maybe customers fall into or, or uh, businesses fall into before they actually ever reach out to a customer in the first place? What are some of those pitfalls and how did you discover them during your training sessions? Yeah. So, I mean, the reason that I even started this company, if we want to go way back, is again, like I had had my own marketing agency. I started in 2010. We did great work for our clients. Our clients were happy. We helped them grow. We got lots of success. You know, we worked with clients like Target and Holiday, and we did not talk to a lot of customers. <laughs> um, and between, you know, 2010 and fast forward to, you know, 2017 or when I actually 2018, when I started customer camp, a lot changed in the marketing world, right? A lot changed in terms of competition, how we could measure things, and how much the platforms that we as marketers were relying on and the channels that we had relied on were able to help us achieve our goals. So everything was changing, but marketers weren't really changing their methodologies that I could see. And so, you know, in that time frame, I started this tech company. We did really good on the marketing side because that was my background. We were growing really quickly in terms of acquiring new users, but they were not sticking around and using the product and inviting their friends, which for us was the stink of death <laughs> because we were a network. And so when I closed down that company, I was really lucky. I had a, um, my main investor had said, okay, like you, your team was really good on the marketing side. We've got all these incredible product teams who are so good at building awesome software and solutions, not so good at making sure anybody knows they exist. So maybe you can help some of them. So I sat down with a lot of these brilliant teams, a lot of them engineering led, um, and learned very quickly that while they had these incredible products that could really change lives, they did not know exactly who they were for or how to get those people to discover them. And so I kept seeing this pattern 
And that became the impetus for what, what is customer camp, which is helping teams to understand who their customers are and why they buy. And that journey of like, there's got to be a better way because so many teams are struggling with this. That's what led to, you know, training people on how to do customer discovery interviews. There's just stuff that you can get from these calls. They are calls with buyers. I should clarify that. It's calls with buyers, people who have bought your product, people who can actually learn what's actually happened and what led them to you versus like hypothetical buyers that you think might be a good fit. Like there's things you can learn from deeply exploring that buying journey that are so rich and you can't get with any other research method. And it almost, it feels like a, like a buyer persona. Like we've been taught as marketers for like 10 years to create the infamous, you know, five different buyer personas. And, you know, uh, I, I don't know, middle-aged Mary is who we're labeling these people as instead of actually discovering what was that trigger that, that made them buy. And, and that's what I love about your process is because it's sort of forget about the stuff that doesn't really matter. Let's find out about those trigger points and then sell to them what they want to become, eventually become. And and I love this quote that you gave in a recent podcast interview. You said you wanted to make sure that we were eating our own dog food. And when, when you were talking about creating the clarity call sheets, and I love that because I feel like so many marketers out there they will do a great job at preaching the value of things, but they're not actually in the trenches of knowing what is working and what is not working and how that's exclusive to their business and how it could be a- applicable to other businesses out there. So so tell me about what went into the launch of the Clarity Call Sheets, because you spent cl- what, close to two years working on this before you actually launched. I would say we spent two years knowing we wanted to build this. Like that we were doing the, you know, we were doing our training and our workshops and a lot of what went into the cheat sheets had been done in live workshops. So Mm -hmm. those workshops were done typically in person. Of course, then COVID happened and everything moved online. Um, But it was done in this process where I would come in, I'd sit down in front of the room. I would explain the idea of why people really buy, which as you just summarized beautifully, has nothing to do with who they are necessarily and everything to do with who they want to become. And when we lump people into personas and segments based on common characteristics, we miss a lot of insight that can be really useful. Um, And so I would sit down and I would kind of explain the process to people. I would then demonstrate how to do an interview, teaching them how to listen for the right things, showing them actually how it works. And then I would give them the questions that they could use getting started, a interview summary that they could use after the fact to make sure they listen for the right things. And I would tell them go off and practice because like anything, this is a skill you need to practice. And so that was being done for, I was doing that workshop for about two years um, in person and online, but always live. And the thing that, um, that I knew was that people didn't, people wanted this resource, but they wanted to be able to use it quickly, get value right away. They didn't want to have to sit through a long video based course on it. They wanted to just know what should I be asking? What should I be listening for? Give me the meat right away. Make it fast because marketers were also busy. And so that's what led to the kind of structure of how I created the product, making them, you know, cheat sheets as opposed to a video based course or a live cohort, that sort of thing. And really the messaging that went into it and how I, you know, the promise of the product 
that was just from having a lot of conversations, interviewing our own customers who come through our workshops, knowing what they cared about, and then echoing that language back to them on our sales page. So, you know, I, I, we, we do the work. We're doing it right now because we're kind of working on a new thing. And we're leveraging all of the interviews we've done with the cheat sheet buyers now. And we're figuring out what's the next step for them. What do they want from us next? So you have to do the work. Yeah, you're you're eating your own dog food, for lack of a better phrase. And, and so, when you talk about the these cheat sheets, what give us a sample of of what some of the questions that you ask your ask the buyers in order to ask their potential buyers or people that have already purchased from them? For sure. So, the most important thing that listeners should know is that the purpose of this interview is not to ask people for their opinions on your product, um, although you'll get those as well. People will freely offer that information, but it is to really understand and basically document their buying journey. So, what you want to do is you want to think about their buying journey as having a timeline. It begins with a trigger, a moment where that person first starts thinking, oh, something is not working with my current solution. Like there's a change that I want to make. I don't know how to make it yet. Maybe I don't know what options are out there, but something's not working. From that trigger, they kind of move through the buying journey to the stage where they actually discover your product. They're evaluating it. Maybe they're comparing it to other options in the market, eventually buying and trying it. So what you want to do is you want to fill in all the information that's happening along that buying journey. What's so exciting about this style of interview is that typically the type of data that we get from customers is all about what happens kind of like once they discover us. So, you know, there's enormous amounts of data we can gather about our customers, like where are they coming from? How long are they staying on our site? What products are they reviewing? All that stuff. But what we don't know from the tools and resources that are available is all the stuff that happens before they discover us. And that's the stuff we really want to know, right? If we want to get more people to discover us. So the purpose of this interview is to really get that full picture. Some of the questions that we ask, it's around kind of pulling that information out of people. So what was going on in your world when you first realized that you might need a new solution? That will often reveal what the trigger moment was for them. And the trigger moment is often something that happens in their personal life, something that you can't see. It's in the real world. And oftentimes, maybe not even directly related to what you think it is you do, right? So for us with the cheat sheets, one of the things that we've discovered through our own research is that a trigger moment that leads people on the path to buying from us, there's two big ones. Either they are a marketer for hire or uh, agency marketer, and they land a new client that has an audience that they do not know very much about, and they want to impress that client, and they don't, they, they need to learn about the audience quickly. So that's a trigger. Or they get hired on a new team into a new role, or they get promoted, and now they have to put together a strategy. And again, the, the team's underperforming. They know that there's a gap when it comes to really understanding customers and they're looking for a solution to help fill that. Now, thinking about that from our perspective, right? Now we know that there are these trigger moments that are happening in our prospective customer's life. And we can think about how we can get in front of people that might've been triggered. So for instance, we can use something like LinkedIn ads to get in front of people who've just accepted a new role, right? We can think about when somebody's accepting a new role and they're moving into this kind of more senior level marketing position. 
what else might they be doing at that same time? What other channels or communities are they hanging out in where they are trying to kind of like make sense of this new transition in their career where we might be able to get in front of them? So for instance, if we're looking at, you know, tech marketers specifically, a lot of those people are joining communities like um, Dave Gerhardt has a community for um, B2B marketers. That's probably a channel where people are, are hanging out when they start these new roles and now they're in this new position and they have to figure it out. So knowing what the triggers are helps you to figure out how to get in front of people sooner in less crowded channels before they start actively looking for something like you offer. Are there any, I guess, pitfalls that uh, some marketers might say, yes, this all sounds fantastic. It sounds good in theory, but some people get really clammed up or they, they, they get really nervous in order to talk to a potential customer. Normally, we're just typing behind a screen and no one has to, we, we just worry about the end result later on if they're a, a decent marketer. But if, if, what is sort of, the, I guess, the, the pitfall or maybe a, a roadblock for, for some of the people that want to do these interviews, but then they say, well, I, I don't have good equipment. I, you know, I, I'm afraid to talk to the customers. What, what are some of those common pitfalls that they're running into that you can sort of help talk them through? Yeah, there's a couple that really um, stand in the way of them making progress with interviews. One of the big ones is even when marketers want to do this work is getting buy-in from either their clients or their teams to allow them <laughs> to do the work. And that is a common one. The teams say, oh, we don't need to talk to customers. We already know that. And they just expect that like you can come in and like interview the client or interview the sales team and pull all the information you need to do your job out of their head. But one of the things I like to say is empathy doesn't travel through osmosis. <laughs> like we actually need to talk to customers and really understand them if we want to do our jobs really well. So one of the big ones is, okay, before I even get started, can I get buy-in to do this? Um, I've got a resource on my website that you can check out, which is what I like to call the buy-in burger, which is like an email template you can use to pitch your client or team on why this is worth doing. Um, I think you can find that at like customercamp.co slash buy-in script. I think that's what it is. Or you'll have to find it in one of the blog posts. Um, so that's a challenge. So now let's say that you're, you've gotten buy-in and you're like, okay, now I actually have to have a conversation with a customer and I'm nervous. Again, your goal is not to con like do some like stuffy phone interview with them. Like you would like, you know, your cable company calls you and they ask you like the same seven questions. <laughs> Like, that <laughs> You're is screaming at the auto person. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, like, no, I don't have time for this. Like, that is not what this is going to feel like at all. This is going to feel like a conversation between you and another human being. And it's going to actually be really interesting and fun for them. I have done hundreds of these. And I would say that of, let's say, I'm just going to, like, I'm doing some quick math in my head. Like, I, I've done at least you know, three to 400 since I started using this method specifically. Mm -hmm. And of those, I can remember maybe three that were just awkward. <laughs> like they were just like, Ooh, this person's not giving me anything and they're not enjoying this. And I can tell, and I feel like I'm in positioning them. So that's like a 1% like, great. The other ones, usually the people are actually really engaged because the interesting thing is that we don't think about our buying decisions deeply. 
We'd like to think that we do. We'd like to think that we're all logical and practical. But the reality is that like studies show that 85% of what we decide to buy is made by these like subconscious emotional urges. So when you start talking to somebody and asking them these questions, kind of pulling out their, their story, they start learning things about themselves and they actually really enjoy it. So I would say go into it, know that you're going to probably not be the best at it right away. Like any other skill, whether you're trying to do sales for the first time or like pitching yourself in a job interview, you're going to be like, Ooh, I don't know. I'm feeling uncomfortable with this, but it's so much easier because usually the person on the other end actually really enjoys the process. They enjoy and, learning with their own thought process. And you're also, you're using the information that you get from these interviews and in future marketing. So it's not just, you know, helping to, to shape the perception of the now, but it's also, I, I think I heard you say that it's sh shaping uh, your email campaigns, the, the text that you use on your website. What different ways can you use the insight that you're getting from these customer interviews? It's so, the information you're getting is so powerful because at the end of the day, again, like what you're learning through these interviews is you're learning what are the trigger moments in a customer's like buying journey that might move them towards buying from us that helps you figure out channels. Then you're learning like, you know, what are the, what are the pains that are pushing them forward? The things that are making them want to make progress to make a change. That's all of your marketing messaging right there. That's kind of how to guides. There's so much insight content from there. Um, you're learning about what are their goals? Like what does success look like to them? That's helping you to shape your messaging. So I know this particular interview method that I teach it's being used by conversion copywriters for email sequences, for sales pages, for positioning whole companies around a vision, like the whole sales narrative. It goes like it can be used in so many ways. And that's why the buying journey interview is so powerful because it's, there's so much intel in a buying journey that can inform decision making from a marketing hmm. perspective. Now to, to flip the script a little bit, especially in the world of logistics, that there are going, there are bound to be issues that come up after you've secured that customer. You know, deliveries are going to fail. Um, you're, you're, you're not going to, you know, get that delivery in time. Uh, we're, we're seeing it across the supply chain, across all industries, knowing the insight that you get from the customer interview, which you're usually conducting these ideally right after they become a customer. But how are you adjusting the messaging and are you adjusting it any differently knowing that eventually you're going to fail this customer? Do you communicate that ahead of time? Um, is it is setting those expectations early? What does it look like after they become a customer? So I would say that the who you interview will depend on what you're trying to learn. So if you are, if you have a problem with churn or cancellations, right, then you probably want to talk to your happiest customers, the ones that are, you want to find more of and you want to understand why they're so happy, right? And then you also want to talk to people who recently stopped using your service and you want to understand what led them to you in the first place. How did you not meet their expectations? So if the reason why you're doing these interviews is to fix churn or to fix people leaving, then those are the conversations you want to have. If the people that you're talking, if your goal is to improve acquisition, improve discoverability, then there's a possibility when you're having these conversations with people like, yeah, like they might give you this glowing endorsement as like their whole buying journey that led them to you might be really interesting and insightful. And then 
they got disappointed when they used the product because it didn't meet their expectations and they left. And so the insights that you're going to learn there is like, where was our messaging right in that we were attracting the right people? Or where did we overpromise or miscommunicate what they should have expected in the way that we didn't satisfy them? So you can learn a lot that way too. But I'd say it really depends on how it's kind of like, um, what I love about the buyer journey interview is it's a tool that you can use in a variety of different ways. But the, again, the way I teach it and the priority that people who buy from me have is typically I want to get more customers. <laughs> like I want to figure out how to get more customers more effectively, <laughs> like more predictably. And usually when the product team people buy it and they're thinking about how do I improve the product? It's my solution isn't really designed for them. Like they, it can be used to make inform product decisions, but there's a lot of other work that you need to do with buyers and people who are using your product, consuming your product that is separate from this buyer journey interview. So it can be a piece of your research. It's not the whole shebang. Like it can be for marketers. Now, for a lot of marketing departments, and I use the word department loosely because in the world of logistics, you're lucky if you have a, a CMO or someone who's dedicated solely just to marketing. So for the folks out there who are juggling uh, you know, a, a lot of hats and a, a lot of different job duties throughout the day that want to know more about their customers, what are some of those small steps that they can take you know, from the jump that can help them you know, better off in the long run? Such a good question. I would say again, like I'm, you know, I'm a small business owner myself too. Like I'm, the, I'm running the company. I'm also working with my husband on his, on a startup company. We have a direct consumer food box that we do every month. And so I'm applying the same methodology to that business, very different from the training world that I'm, that my business is in. But what I would say is that you are going to get so much depth into what your company really does that it's it can help you shape so much so for instance with my husband's business we started in the pandemic um he had been working he has a chef by trade had spent the last seven years working in um, safety in the oil and gas sector after kind of like selling a bunch of restaurants wanting to get out of the restaurant industry and then the pandemic happened and all of his job prospects went away and he'd been wanting to get back into food anyway and so we thought okay like Let's start. We can't do a restaurant. Like the world's in quarantine. What can we do? <laughs> and we started Charboys, which at the time was a barbecue box. So similar to like HelloFresh or Good Food, but we were barbecue specifically. What we have learned since starting that back in June of 2020 from doing customer interviews and learning about our customers' buying journey is we are not Tuesday's dinner. We are not competing with HelloFresh or Good Food. We are a food experience that you share with your family and friends. It's a form of entertainment. You invite people over when you get a chair voice box. And so we reshaped our whole offering away from being multiple meals that could get you through the week to being one ridiculous epic meal. And it's the kind of thing that you get for, you know, somebody's birthday or we've timed them around things that are happening. Like our last box was a St. Patty's Day box. One before that was uh, Super Bowl. This one is 420, which is a holiday fun <laughs> so but we figured that out through doing these interviews right so we figured out more about our customers buying journeys but also helped us to shape the product so as founders or teams that are busy you're going to get so much good intel from talking to customers and really getting why they buy 
And, and what I loved from a recent interview that you did is you said once you started on this process that doing these interviews, you created a sort of a, a database of all of these insights and these triggers. And then mm-hmm. once you started hiring new employees, you would give that to them. And so that would help them hit the ground running a lot faster. Is, is, is that sort of a fair statement that, you know, many companies out there can use this as, as insight and also future training for, for future employees as they scale? Totally, totally. So the interview summary template that we give people, even if you don't create anything more in depth than handing them a few of those, when you bring somebody on, it gives you this really nice picture. One of the things um, Clayton Christensen says about a buyer interview using jobs to be done, this, this framework, is that like a persona is like a photograph of your customer. Whereas a job or understanding the buying journey, it's like a, it's like a movie. So you see like the whole action that that customer has taken and you understand them on this much deeper, faster level than you would just kind of like looking at, you know, a bunch of data on a screen about like, you know, this is the age demographics that our audience falls into or this is where they're located. So even that that as an output is really helpful. The other thing I would encourage teams to do, especially if you're hiring marketers, is let them interview customers. <laughs> like let them do one or two customer interviews in their first month because you're going to help them to get so much more empathy doing that than anything they can extract from your brain or read in a document. So let them have, have two conversations. Give them the, you know, teach them how to do this style of interview, just tell them to explore the buying journey and let them pull out those insights for themselves. Now, now what I love about everything that you just said is that, you know, coupling that with it, you know, I guess safe to say that I have been binging all of your podcasts over the last week. And so one thing that I thought that was really interesting is that you said in a, in a recent episode that using all of the knowledge that you gained from the clarity call sheets and then plus you're, you have a podcast, you're, you're, you have a podcast yourself, but you have also transitioned into this phase of not being super, I guess, pumped about the podcast and wanting to change it in the future. So how do you balance the the information that you're getting from customer interviews, the insight that you already have, and then that gut feeling whenever you're creating for the future? Yeah, it's it's a balance, right? And the thing is that we we're all looking for what might be an easy answer, but the reality is that clarity comes from engagement, right? Mm. So this is something Marie Forleo has said, like, you know, clarity comes from engagement, not thought. And what that means is you talk to customers, you, tr- you know, you pull and extract insight and you figure out from that, what does this mean? And then you have to put things into the world and see how people respond to them, right? And so whether that's our podcast, whether that's on the Charboys side, you know, our first number of launches that we did, like you have to put things into the world, see how people respond to them, and then you need to go back and have those conversations again. So it is a it is a continuous process of learning because in most cases, unless you've created one single product that is never going to change, it's the only thing you've got, there's you know, nothing about it in terms of like who you target or how you target whatever is ever going to change. You're probably going to see your experience evolving, your product line evolving. And what that means is you need to go back and learn more. So with the podcast for us, you know, I will say that I have super high standards as lots of marketers do. And so my expectation as to what I want to put out there 
is like, I want something that's going to become people's favorite podcast mm -hmm. because we marketers are so short on time that, and there's so much that they can listen to in ways that they can learn and content for them to consume that you, you really don't have a chance of winning unless you are the favorite, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and so I, I want to create that favorite podcast. And as I would listen to what we were putting out there, I was like, it's good, but it's, it's not great. Like if I had to decide between listening to this or listening to something like under the influence with Terry O'Reilly, I'm not sure if you know that one. It's a, um, he's, it's a Canadian based podcast, but it's so good. It's on the advertising world. And it's just fabulous. I'm like, I have the same 40 minutes to kill on my drive to work or whatever. How am I going to spend that time? Hmm. And I think that as marketers, we need to step back and ask ourselves that. And the more you understand your audience, the more you also think about like, okay, like what am I competing with? Cause you're not just competing with other marketing podcasts, right? You're competing with like, you Everyone. know, lifestyle <laughs> podcasts or Exactly. Or like a call catching up with their like mom over the drive. Right. So, you're competing with uh, the Kim Kardashians of the world. Like you're, it, you got to be able to, to fit in there somehow. Or we, we got a couple minutes left. Post COVID sort of changed everything. What is one piece of marketing advice that you are taking into this post COVID world as we slowly start to enter what that world looks like? Yeah. I mean, I think that the post COVID would be how adaptable people are and how quickly things can change and how as marketers and business owners, we need to be equally adaptable. Um, there's this great quote from Darwin and he says like, you know, it's not the strongest or the smartest that survive, but it's those who are the most adaptable to change. Mm. And there's no argument from anyone. COVID has changed everything. A lot of the changes that have come would have came anyway, but probably at a much slower pace. And so our customers have new expectations. They have new challenges. They are going back into the world and looking at things in a different way. And we need to be responsive to that. So I would say the biggest takeaway for me is just how important it is to stay close to customers so that as their worlds are changing, we can adapt to continue to serve them and make sure that we're still really creating a lot of value for them. Well said. Where can people find more of your work? Uh, probably the best spot to like, you know, discover me would be through Twitter. I'm really active there. So uh, my my handle is at Kate Bohr, K-A-T-E-B-O-U-R. And from there, you'll, you can find your way to my website and to some of the resources that I have there. I've got some great blog posts on audience research. And I'm doing um, a cool... Uh, I'm doing a mock interview. If you'd like to see this actually done, I'll be doing it with Shopify and we're going to be interviewing Rory Sutherland, who's one of the VPs at Ogilvy Advertising. And he's also the author of like one of my favorite books. And we're going to be interviewing him about something that he recently bought. So if you want to see this done live, check that out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin, that this was a wealth of information. And, and so hopefully people will, will go and check out more of your work because it really has helped not, not just me, but, but a ton of other people out there who are trying to figure out, you know, not just the marketing side of things, but what actually makes people tick, which is ultimately part of, of all of our jobs. So, so thank you again. And, uh, I'll be on the lookout for, for more products and tweets from you in the future. So thanks, Caitlin. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. As always, you can find each show I publish along with more insight over on my website at digitaldispatch.io. If you like this podcast, and I think you'll love another show I host, Cyberly, which covers the attention economy, B2B marketing, and how it all ties into the world of logistics. That show airs every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here live on Freight Waves TV. There are also some links to my social media accounts along with my products and services that might be of interest to you found in the show notes or again over on my digitaldispatch.io website. If you found this episode interesting and or entertaining, be sure to share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best kind of marketing and since podcast discoverability has and remains an issue in this medium, I trust that folks like yourself will share it with those who would also find it useful. Until next time, my name is Blythe Brumleven. I will see you real soon.